broadcasting straight from Big Rock Candy Mountain. I'm Zachary Lehman. I'm Taylor Berryman. How can people find you, Taylor? Find me on Facebook as Taylor Berryman and on Instagram as the underscore Poptimist. And you can find me on Twitter for the moment, probably not for much longer, uh, at Writing Lehman and then just Zachary Lehman on Instagram and Facebook. So today's special episode, we're going to do a little review of uh, a new movie, 2021. We're only... What, two weeks in? We already got a new movie to talk about. It's my favorite movie of the year so far. Me too. First great movie. This is probably, be- it's better than probably every movie I saw last year too. You think so? I think so. Uh, so the movie is Run, Hide, Fight, which uh, just came out. It's on this little new uh, video streaming platform. That you might have heard of game. it before. You might have heard of it before. A little place called Daily Wire, headed by none other than Ben Shapiro. Yes. Who would have ever guessed? It was a very surprising movie. I remember when you told me the news that the Daily Wire was getting into like movies and TV shows yeah. and entertainment. My first impulse, what I said to you was, I groaned and I said, it's going to be a religious movie. Yeah. Well, I think my exact words were, this is going to be a Christ cuck movie. <laughs> yeah. So to, to be... I think Daily Wire, they, look, they did it really smart because they basically, they've been growing a lot. They, we should mention they just moved here to Nashville. Yes. Great city of Nashville. Yep. Now homes uh, Ben Shapiro and- uh, Excellent many, violinist. Very excellent. I know. Isn't that always a He's weird- He's very talented. Always, uh, yeah. And actually, I was going to say that. Um, uh, ben Shapiro, I mean, ever since he was at Breitbart, has always, even though he is a guy who they view as like, you know, he has whatever conservative opinions about social issues, he is kind of a- movie nerd like he watches you love star wars right yeah he loves star wars um and then we'll give a little background in this movie too because he's a fan of a lot of movies by uh, the producer of run hide fight and i was too but anyway so the way it worked uh daily wire announced in the new year we're getting in the entertainment game but they did it really smart because they were like we're in the entertainment game and in like two weeks we're gonna drop a movie it was a movie i'd already heard of because it was produced by dallas uh Saunier, i think is how you uh, pronounce his name. So he used to run a company called Cinestate, and Cinestate made some great fucking movies: Bone Tomahawk, Brawl in Cell Block Ninety Nine, uh, Dragged Across Concrete. I, I love those movies. I think Melhouse, I made you watch uh, Bone Tomahawk, right? How, How great you, was it? That was great. How would you describe these movies in tone so, and feeling? Basically, his whole thing was it wasn't um, this Dallas guy. He's kind of been branded a conservative, which he is a conservative, but. They're not agenda-driven films. His whole thing was, look, Hollywood has like left a large portion of the population behind because everything they put out is agenda-driven. And these were kind of hearkening back to really gritty like 70s cinema. Um, they were populist in a way. Because if you go back then, you watch like Death Wish or even Taxi Driver or Dirty Harry. They're very, very dark movies. But if they're, they were made today by a major studio... They would be. They these, wouldn't be made today by a major be, studio. Well, they'd be very different. Yeah. Because it'd be all about okay, how do we jam this agenda in? How do we? But back then, it was just the story. So that's what he was going for. And anyway, Cinestate ended up folding because of a bunch of circumstances that are dumb. But anyway, I, I knew that Run Hide Fight was made. I think like a year ago, it premiered at uh, the Venice Film Festival, and this guy Dallas said he couldn't find a distributor because it was branded an exploitative school shooting movie. So I guess he reached out to Ben Shapiro and was like, we should make something together. 
And Ben Shapiro was like, well, you got this movie, so why don't we kick off Daily Wire getting in the streaming game with this movie? Which was smart. Genius move. It was smart. Because this is... And I I was going to say, Ben Shapiro mentioned he was a huge fan of all those movies. Okay, yeah. You know, so it kind of gives you a hint that, like, this isn't going to be what most people expect them getting into the movie game. It's not what I expected. Like I, like I originally, when we had the conversation, you called and told me, I was like, uh, I don't really know about this, but then I saw the trailer for it. Mm -hmm. I think maybe you sent me the trailer. I looked it up or something like that. And I was like, Oh shit, this looks really good. Plus Thomas Jane is in it. Mm -hmm. Thomas Jane, great actor. Uh, Rada Mitchell Mitchell's in it. Um, uh, Trait Williams, and a couple newcomers who are really great. Yeah. So uh, let, we'll dive into the movie because the Daily Wire thing, that, that's the thing. This movie was already being attacked and every movie Cinestate made was attacked. Oh, yeah. They, I mean, they are great, great movies, but they were all attacked because people would be like, you know, like Dragged Across Concrete had uh, Mel Gibson as a dirty, not a dirty cop, a cop who kind of inches over the line and doesn't really follow the rules. And people don't actually watch the movie. They just take that one thing and then they make these black and white arguments. Like, this is a Trump movie. This is a police, you know, trying to get us on the side of dirty cops or whatever. It's like, if you watch the movies, they don't have those agendas. But the way film criticism is today and the way people's brains are just so turned to mush by social media, that's what discussion about art has become. It's just political bullshit, which is why I love this guy, Dallas. And I love Daily Wire getting into the movie game because if they're going to be making movies like this and like Cinestate made, it's not going to be political agenda-driven stuff. It's going to be, again, the stuff that Cinestate was doing that was kind of harkening back to a time when, you know, Jerry Bruckheimer could produce a fucking movie without being called a fucking Republican because he shows, you know, army guys in a positive light. So we'll dive right into the movie. It's called Run, Hide, Fight. Basically, it's, a, it's about a school shooting. And everyone's kind of branding it like die hard during a school shooting. Yes and no. Uh, That kind of diminishes the film a little bit. But it's about this uh, one girl who basically fights back against these school shooters. So you loved it. I loved it. I thought it was great. I thought the writing was really good in the movie. Oh, yes. Okay. The suspense was done very well. Mm -hmm. That's one of the things that I loved about it. But I was expecting more of... After seeing the trailer, I thought it was going to be an exploitation movie. Like, that's what I thought it was going to be. I just thought it was going to be right. everybody die. And, I mean, that was part of it. There's people getting shot, people getting killed. I mean, it is. It, it Again, that, that tagline, die hard during a school shooting. The reason it diminishes it is because it's not, if you want, it's not an action movie. No. You expect it to be, which, It's hey, more of like a thriller. Yeah, like, and if it was that exploit whatever the fuck you want. I'm not into this shit where it's like, you can't make a movie about this. Or you can't write about this. Go fuck yourself. But this movie is surprisingly poignant. Yeah. And the way it's set up, by the way, let me tell you this before I, I say that written and directed by Kyle Rankin, who's from Connecticut. Guess where he went to college? Bowden. Uh, Orno. Orno. Okay. From our home state of Maine. Yeah. And guess how he got his start. How? Do you remember a show called Project Greenlight? Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck and Matt Damon's show where they would pick um, basically just newcomer filmmakers and then they would be like, hey, we're going to produce a movie and we're going to film it. He was one of the winners of season two. That's how he got his career. Dude, I am a huge Ben Affleck fan. (laughs) We love the 
the Damon and the Affleck. I don't know. I I thought you said you hated them, dude. Especially Ben Affleck. Oh, don't even start that. You know I love them. (laughs) Did he not say that, Milhouse? He might have. Don't turn on me, Milhouse. Uh, So, yeah. So, he wrote and directed this movie. And it is surprise. It's shocking how good the writing is. And the direct, like the action scenes in this, which... There really aren't a lot of like straightforward action scenes. It's the suspense in between the action. action the suspense scenes. is they done, build it up really. The well. suspense is done so well, and it, it's you know it's cliche to say edge of your seat. This is edge of your seat. Yes, I mean it's about an hour and fifty minutes. It did not feel like an hour and fifty minutes. And so basically, I mean, there was some stuff he did. There were some decisions he made that I just felt like made the movie go from good to great. One of them was there were multiple school shooters. And the guy who's the head of them, he's kind of like this Manson type figure. He's got this little cult going on. And basically, he had his girlfriend, some fat kid that people made fun of him for having a small yeah. dick in the sixth grade. And then a very legit crazy guy who's hearing voices. Mm-hmm. And- who is the brother of his girlfriend. And it sounds, there was a scene yeah. in the movie where it <laughs> yeah. sounds like they, all three of them were banging. Yeah. yeah. Again, if anyone is like hesitant to watch this movie because they're like, oh, Daily Wire, it's a twisted movie. Very twisted. There is no, like, we're going to tone this down for... Again, it's it's that bullshit where it's like, people just think of their stereotype of a conservative. And they think of, like, you know, a hard-nosed religious guy who's offended by everything. It's just not the case. No. It's this not is, the case. was put out by a company... And it's It has vision. Yeah. Like, that... Well, yeah, that's... That's what I like about it, is that it had vision, too. Because this, this is very much, like, a declaration... It, releasing this as your first yeah movie Milhouse can you do me a favor can you look up run hide fight on IMDB give me a couple actors names um yeah I was gonna say so you've got the this kid basically has this whole elaborate plan he tells everyone one of the first things he says is start streaming because he wants every he wants the news to pick up the live stream so again it there's no but it's not an agenda it's not like they're shoving it down your throat they're showing the way things are which is School shooters, and this has long been my opinion, the issue is not guns, the issue is not entertainment, the issue with school shooters is the attention they get from the media. Well, also with Daily Wire, Daily Wire they refuse the, yep. to print names of school shooters. Of mass shooters, yeah. One of the first fucking companies to do that. So, again, talk shit about Daily Wire, but let's fucking take care of like Rolling Stone putting uh, like fucking the um, Boston bomber. Yeah. Putting him on like with a glamor shot on their fucking cover or fucking when this shit happens. And this is another thing in the movie that's explored in a really, it's really well done how they explore it. That when you do see the media pay attention or Hollywood pay attention to these mass shootings, the attention is 100% on the shooter and their life. Well, this movie takes away from that. Yeah, and it, it brings up, like, the main character who... Uh, did you get the... Yeah. What's the... It's Isabel something. The, Isabel May plays Zoe Hull. Zoe, yeah. She's great, and... Uh, who, she was really good. Who's uh, next to her? Read the names. Uh, Thomas Jane plays T- Todd Hull. We'll get to Thomas Jane. And Eli Brown. Is Tristan? Just Tristan Boyd. Uh, Eli Brown. Great actor. Hull. I mean, the Isabel... Great actress. She's ama- She's an amazing fucking lead. I hope she has a huge career after this. I don't know <laughs> if the Daily Wire thing's going to fuck her up. But um, 
Yeah, the Eli Brown kid. Holy fuck, he's good. He's, he's the head very of the, sociopathic. He's the head of these school shooters, and fuck, he is so good. He owns the fucking screen. And anyway, what I was gonna say is, when again, when these things happen, these mass shootings, the attention is one hundred percent on the school shooter. You never hear about the victims. You never hear about their stories. You never hear. You just hear about this one person. And then they don't even, they even exploit the school shooters and the mass shooters because when they talk about them, they don't talk about mental illness. They use them to talk about guns and we need more fucking gun laws. Or the opposite opposite argument is, oh, we need fucking to regulate video games and movies more and all this bullshit. That's something I love that Kyle Rankin did with this story is he explored that idea. You know, there, like, there's a scene where the the fat tubby kid you mentioned, who we watched blow a girl away minutes into the movie. Mm-hmm. This is a rough watch, by the way. It's very real how they, they film this. It's not, it's a step away from being exploitative because they don't, it, it is grisly. It doesn't glamorize the violence, though. No, and you really, you see a little bit, but it's, there's not like long shots on like dead bodies or anything. It's just when something happens, you feel it. You're like, yeah. oh, fuck, man. But yeah, he, like he has a scene where basically this this main character, Zoe, she decides to fight back against these guys because she's uh, they basically break into a cafeteria and take everyone hostage. They start streaming and she's in, an, in another room and she decides to start getting people out and to start fighting back. And Before she, you go any further, we should talk about the emotional counterpoint to this movie, though. That's another thing, yeah. Which in the opening scene, you uh, you see her going in for a kill on a deer with her dad, who's played by Thomas Jane. Who's played by Thomas, the Jane. one and only Thomas Jane, and we love Thomas Jane, the true Punisher. Yes. <laughs> but she goes to kill the deer. She doesn't completely kill it. Mm. It's uh, squealing. It's in a lot of pain. Thomas Jane's like, you have to kill it. Yeah, he's basically he's going on this long talk about like you know. You can let nature take its course, but you have, and before he can even finish it, she just drops, takes a rock and and just just smashes this. And you see that. Yeah. And he's a little, and so her, her, her backstory, which this is another really well done element to the film. Her backstory is, so Thomas Jane, he's, we find out he's a, a military veteran and his wife has just died. Zoe's mother. And Zoe from cancer, we assume the mother's played by Rada Mitchell because Zoe still sees her mom and kind of talks to her, which is just a way to show the grieving process for her that she won't let go. And it's amazing throughout the movie because I guess this is spoilers, but not really. Um, Rada Mitchell, as Zoe kind of makes her emotional progress during the movie, when we first see her, she's got the scarf on her head because we know she died from cancer. And as the movie goes on, they kind of de-age her. So then all of a sudden, by she's the back end, to normal. she's back to normal. And there, there's a great line. This is a little bit spoilery. But Zoe says to her mom when she last sees her, she says, you look beautiful. And that's her letting go because she's finally remembering her mom the way she wants to remember her. Which that may sound a little corny. It is handled really well. Yeah, it's very well. emotional in the movie. Every time that her mom is there, it's always when there is some kind of turmoil that's about to happen mm-hmm. where she has to make a decision. Yes. And it's yeah. like she's there with her every step of the way. Yeah, so that's that's a great element to the movie that I 100% did not expect. And then, yeah, the way the school shooting is happening, I was talking about earlier, she has a scene um, 
after they break into the cafeteria, she's kind of taking them out one by one, not murdering them because this one tubby kid she catches and handcuffs him. And he's talking about this memory of his pants were pulled down when he was in the sixth grade or something. And that's basically what he's remembered for. Everybody saw his his small dick. And she goes, who fucking cares? Yeah. You're 18. And she starts talking about the girl who died, who she saw. Because basically the way Zoe finds out about the school shooting is after, you know, tubby fat ass shoots a girl. She crawls into, into the, the bathroom. bathroom where she finds Zoe. She dies in Zoe's arms. And she says about this girl, she's like, that girl died. And, and she said, you know what I know about her? That she loved horses. And that's it. That's all she knows about her. That she won ribbons for, for like jumping horses and shit. Mm-hmm. And the kid even admits later, he's like, I killed her and she smiled at me every day. So she wasn't one of the people who made fun of him, you know? And uh, it's also just, uh, so they handle the school shooting. I, I, I just love that aspect of it because every time there's a mass shooting, especially working in the media, it really, really bugs me. It really bugs me the way it's handled because it's like, this is why you keep getting mass shooters because what do they want? They want fame. They want validation. And so another another element that's handled is they really do show the mental state of these characters. You know what I mean? Like we know why Tubby Fatass did it. He's basically just weak and was talked into it because he has all his pain. This one guy is sort of hearing voices. He clearly has a condition that hasn't and been dealt the, with. The main character, the, the main shooter yeah, kind of plays, plays into it. He plays into it. He's taking advantage. Um, and then there's even a pretty great scene where I think it's a guidance counselor or it's the principal he comes in to try to defuse the situation and he kind of knows right away he's partly at fault because he says to Tristan, this is basically between you and me. And we find out he probably said some shit to Tristan that he, a grown man should not be saying. Well, to he kid, did. He basically told him that you'll never amount to anything. You're, you're worthless. Yeah. And, and Tristan says like he has tried to see this guy for help in the past. And he was basically ignored. And again, I love this because it's not done in a way where it's pushing an agenda down your throat, but it's making their point through the characters and through the story, which is a, these shooters, what they always want is validation and what they always want is fame. And why? Because a, they're mentally ill and B they've been ignored because in uh, the U S for some reason, we just don't deal with fucking mental illness. It's just something we don't fucking talk about, but we'll talk all fucking day about fucking rated R movies or poisoning people's minds and people shouldn't have guns, right? Only the government should have guns. Fuck the fuck off both sides. And that, that's why this is a, a great movie. And the reviews for it, by the way, have been horrible. Of course. Rotten Tomatoes, I think last time I checked, was 14%. I'm sorry. Even if you don't like this movie, there's no way this is a 14% no. movie. This is a great fucking movie. I can tolerate movie. saying someone saying that this is like a C-plus movie. Mm. I could be like, okay, it wasn't your yeah, kind of movie. Yeah, you just weren't into it. But you it. have to admit it's well made mm-hmm. and well thought out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think I've read some of the mainstream reviews. They're just describing a movie that I didn't watch. And I think the reason is, A, this guy Dallas has already been branded persona non grata. So they were already starting Already a to, problem in the eyes of Yeah, the they, were, they were already starting to attack this guy. To then have, and then, you know, obviously you're going to piss off liberals when you make a school shooting movie, and the point isn't guns. Oh. That's always yeah, going to piss them off. I didn't even think off. about, about because that. Because they are, the only school shooting movies they would ever accept 
are ones that just ram home the point that, well, if they couldn't... They got these guns. Yeah. Because apparently if we just pass laws uh, that you can't get, uh, you know, an AR-15, apparently there's no possible way you could ever get it. When you ban guns, only bad guys have guns. Yep. And the only bad guys are selling the guns. Yeah. You just create a black market. But anyway... So I think that's partly behind it, and I think, I mean, the Daily Wire getting involved is just the... It's a troll. It's the It's also a troll that they released the first movie, strong female lead. Yeah. Because there's no She's way great. anyone can claim actress. toxic ma- masculinity for this movie. Well, I bet they would, though. I bet there's a few things they would, because, you know, you see Thomas Jane, who, who... Thomas Jane has a small but great role here. Yes. Um, His presence... Well, the the presence of the parents is felt throughout the movie, though. I would I would make the argument yeah, though, because they're all outside watching the live stream. Eventually, everyone's watching this live stream. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I, I think you know, liberals see Thomas Jane coming, and they just he he just reeks of toxic masculinity. Well, recently too, they <laughs> that's a good thing, by the way. <laughs> they've been saying uh, the, the liberal media has been saying ban the Punisher. Oh yeah, that's a whole thing. We need thing a blacklist yeah, of Punisher talk- now. Yeah, I know. You can't be a character anymore because it's like, okay, I get that maybe the people at the fucking the MAGA rioters or whatever that they did that, but like, why are you gonna ban a piece of art just because it influenced some crazy people? They didn't ban the Dark Knight whenever that guy shot up the theater. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, this is something. I mean, I, I didn't expect this, but yeah, that that's something again. I don't know what brain, I don't know what level your brain is functioning at. If your response to the U.S. Capitol riot is, you know how we don't, you know how this doesn't happen again? We should ban the Punisher logo because a few guys were wearing it. And by the way, as if you want to say that somehow has something to do with their motivation, the Punisher logo, the reason it's kind of had an impact beyond just, you know, the, the, the movies and the television show and the comic books. It's a big symbol for uh, law enforcement and military. When you're in the military, a lot of guys, they end up putting it on their vehicles, on their uniforms somehow. Um, uh, Chris Kyle, the Navy SEAL, late Navy SEAL, uh, American Sniper, great book, great movie. Um, his, his unit, his, his Navy SEAL uh, platoon, they would, they had it everywhere. So, Again, um, I'm not going to say we should ban a logo because a few crazies wear it. Like, there's a lot of good people wearing it, too, who get a lot of strength from it. Who are just comic book nerds. But again, that's, that's, this is why movies suck now. Because it, it, people's brains have just... You know when they said TV would turn people's brains to mush? And then they said phones would turn it to mush or video games would turn it to mush. You know what turns people's brains to mush? Social media. Because it just plays into our worst aspects as human beings. Because it's groupthink. It's always be, it's tribalism. It just feeds into all this bullshit. People are not able to just be individuals. And then when they see something like the U.S. Capitol riot happen, they can't even have an individual opinion. They just go, let's look for just how do we make this black and white? And it's the same with the school shooting thing. How do we make this black and white? There's a lot of gray area in life. And that's what I love about this movie is it's all about the gray area. You know what I mean? It's, it, it, it has no interest in joining those stupid arguments about let's take guns away. Let's, you know, stop making R-rated movies. It, 
dives into the complicated questions of mental illness, of defending yourself. That's another thing I love, by the way. Well, it's brave that it even asks those questions. Yes. You know what I mean about because, mental illness? Because that's a very taboo subject. And because it, this is another problem is the media, which it's not directly critical of the media in the film, but it really does show how, like when, I mean, if it bleeds, it leads. That's how they deal with the media here. And that is how the media treats these situations. And that's one of the, the, the bad things about when these mass shootings happen. If you turn on CNN or you turn on Fox News, it's like despite the fact that we're getting longer form discussions through podcasts and stuff, the media is still the media, the 24-7 news cycle. They're like, look, I have a five-minute segment. I can't be ranting about mental illness or bring in some guy to make these vague points that people are going to have to like think about and have individual opinions about. They're like, let's just go with the anti-gun guy and the pro-gun guy because we only got five minutes and that's going to be explosive and they're going to yell and you know, it's snackable content, a term I never learned, by the way, till I started working the media, snackable content. So they do that. And then again, it just diminishes the things we should actually be talking about. You know, and I'm glad someone came along and took the subject of school shootings and made a real piece of art about it. They made a real fucking piece of art. Like, forget your opinions about the Daily Wire or whatever else. If you just watch this as a story, it's a film that I would argue needed to be made for a while. I agree with that. You know, I because I, I had talked about this before. Like, I, I had wished someone would take on school shootings in a story but do it in a very where they, they deal with the gray and they deal with the, the uneasy questions and no one had really done it. And Kyle Rankin kind of killed it. So now that's like an irrelevant thing for me to even say, cause it's already been done. So I think it's an important movie. I think, a, I think a lot of people should watch it and uh, daily wire hats off to them because not only did they, they pick up a movie that's already complete that way when they make their announcement, they can just be like, boom, here's our movie. Big Dick Rambo move. And that is definitely Big Dick Rambo move. The biggest troll of them all with this movie, though, is that it's great. And you can tell when you read those reviews, they are trying, they are trying so hard. You can tell when like there's smoke coming out of a liberal blogger's ears. Or I can when I read it because like you can tell their sentence struck. They're just really stretching. They are more annoyed that Daily Wire made a movie and it was good and it's a good movie. Well, not only that, it, taking it back to the strong female lead thing. How can you mm-hmm. everything that you say that a movie needs to have in Hollywood? This movie has in a non subversive way. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, liberals should love this because the school shooters are all uh, white guys. Yeah, they are. Yeah. <laughs> Which I guess, you know what, mass shooters, they are always white guys. They're always white guys. <laughs> well, the, even the impression that I got from uh, like the school shooters and everything like that. So there was the lead guy. He was definitely the brains behind the operation. Again, such a good actor. I'm talking Oscar worthy if the Oscars weren't bullshit. He, he, pray, he preyed upon everybody, it sounds mm-hmm. like. He had this weird sexual relationship with the brother and sister. Yeah, he had at a, the same time. He had a lot of stuff going on. He had a lot of stuff going on. <laughs> Seems like he kind of had like a white trash background a little bit. Mm-hmm. The impression that I got from him was he was like the incel, yeah. like internet board, kind of trolling, yep. um, out of touch with reality, delusional. And he just found other people who bought into his bullshit, mm-hmm. and they were able to make this happen. Because 
we should also say that this was a well-planned out attack too. Yeah, he, that's part of his. He's basically getting off on his own genius during the movie. This is, uh, and you know what? That in a way, it is kind of like Die Hard because Hans Gruber through Die Hard is basically just you know polishing his own knob, talking about this great plan he has to rob Nakatomi Plaza, and then here comes McLean, fly in the oil, monkey in the wrench, just the wrong guy in the wrong place at the wrong time, and Zoe a little bit like that. She even crawls through, not a vent at one point, but she's in a ceiling. Yeah. So I got a little Die Hard vibes. But that, that's hearkening back to Die Hard in a really good, smart way. I like that. And they do say to her at the end, someone says, uh, just in the right place at the right time, which is in like every Die Hard movie. John's always in the right place at the right time or wrong place, wrong time, however you want to think about it. But yeah, so uh, I love this movie, man. And I'm, I'm, I'm excited for what else Daily Wire is going to do because if – they're going to keep throwing left hooks and just doing stuff you don't expect. And if part of their mission is to kind of continue what Cinestate was doing, I'm really excited because I was those other movies that that Dallas Saunier was producing. Um, I was so I, I was beyond into those because now if I see a good movie and it's made by a studio, it'll be good enough where I'm like, that was good. I'll never watch it again. Bone Tomahawk, Brawl and Cell Block 99. I buy those. I still this buy those movies This is a rewatchable movie. Very rewatchable. Yeah, so if you're a fan of those movies, watch this. One movie that this kind of reminded me of, it's like a spiritual cousin of, is a movie we watched a couple of months ago. The Hunt. Yeah. That, wasn't a, that was like a year ago, bud. I don't think it was that long ago. It, we're in January, bud. That came out, what, May oh, I get, or March? We might have watched that actually pre-COVID. We watched it right when COVID was happening. Because remember, it had to come out on streaming. This, That's right. Yeah. We watched it like... Because the movie right was originally delayed. Yeah, for stupid reasons. Again, just people taking art and trying to break it down in this weird black and white way. And it's just like, you're all wrong. You're all wrong. And yeah, that was a great piece of... That was more of like a political satire. But it was similar in the way that it took a black and white issue or an issue that people make black and white. And it dealt with it on a human level. It dealt with it by going in the in-between spaces, you know, and being a real piece of art about political division. Well, it took an absurdist kind of conspiracy theory that mm. maybe is not a conspiracy theory. Who knows? Oh, yeah. Who knows? What's that place called? What, the Grove? I can't remember what it's called. Okay. Where they apparently the, hunt people. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, it, allegedly it happens in the Black Forest. That's like oh, what okay, the conspiracy that's, okay. theory okay. is in Germany. Okay. Um, like the Royals go there and they do it and shit like that. But yeah, I mean that before this was probably the last movie I watched where I was like, that was great, man. King of Staten Island. King of Staten Island was really good. We love um, that. Man, there just wasn't much last year. I mean, that that's another thing we should say. Uh, the fact that, you know, because of COVID and everything, who the fuck knows if theaters are coming back? I really, you know what? Hats off to uh, Dallas Saunier because... I watched an interview Ben Shapiro did with him and he was the first guy that I saw because a lot of these directors and stuff, they're so wrapped up in their own heads and they're like, theaters are coming back. People still want to go to the theater. He was like, theaters are dead. Every time I go, I'm alone or I have someone I brought with me. And he, that's a smart man, smart man. This guy, by the way, just to polish his knob a little bit more, Bone Tomahawk, by the way, when he made it, 
mortgaged his own house and took out a giant personal loan he couldn't pay back, made that for $1.8 million. He took the ultimate gamble on that movie, and now I'm sure he's got fuck you money. It's a great story. It is a great story, and I'm glad that he's back, and this is a great movie to come back with. And yeah, I mean, shit, you know what? 2021's kind of sucked so far. The shithawks are definitely swarming. January is usually a weird year. It's an in-between You're year. messing with the guy in the chair. Yeah, you know, January is like an in-between month. I, I always say that. You know, don't lose faith in January because that's what puts you to the test. January's definitely put me to the Christmas test. Christmas is over. It's still winter time. Yeah, the shithawks have been swarming, but uh, this was the first fucking win of 2021. This gives me some hope, man. This gives me some hope. We should also talk about the end credits. The song that's played right at the end of the movie. Yes. A little protest song called Eve of Destruction. It's originally, a very moody cover. Originally by Barry Maguire, but it's about the uh, the world ending. It's a great fucking song. And a surprising song to end the movie on. It was a cover. But some... Yeah, yeah. It was a, Someone this, was covering this moody it. cover. It was really great. It was a surprising song to end the movie with. But it was somehow fitting. It somehow fit it. They, they found a way to do it that really worked. I love that. And again, that probably makes people whose heads, in, in, they're fuming over this movie. That makes them even more pissed off. You know what I mean? Because they're like, you're conservatives. You can't listen to good music. Like, that's always how they act when they find Because the one thing you can't be today is conservative and an artist. Well, look at what happened with Ariel Pink. Ariel Pink getting fucked right now. Yep. You know, you probably know a little bit more about this than I do just because you've been having to cover this story for work. So basically what happened was Ariel Pink was at the D.C. protest on the 6th. Yeah. The, the riot. The pro-Trump he, rally before the He riot. didn't participate in it. Yeah. There was pictures of him there mm -hmm. and his label dropped him mm -hmm. because he was there. Yeah. And he, he just did an interview on Tucker Carlson. And he was saying he's pretty much destitute right now. He can't tour, doesn't have any money. And he's like, I wasn't at the riot. But being at the, the protest now is enough for people to cancel him. But I think it's really, this is just how you get treated as an artist when you are branded a conservative. And today, it's not even about if you're conservative or not. If you express an opinion that does not fit the extreme liberal narrative, if you say one thing that can be twisted and turned into something conservative, look at Joe Rogan. Now, Joe Rogan don't give a fuck. He is the definition of fuck you money. You know oh, what I mean? yeah. He's but, got that fear factor money, But look dude. at how they talk about him. He's a perfect example, too, and this is how this movie is getting treated. He is a guy who will talk to anybody. He has these long, thought-out discussions. If he's wrong about something, he'll say, I'm wrong. If he doesn't have an opinion, he says, I don't have an opinion. Talk to me about it. But because he does that, because he's not on there like, you know, Donald Trump's a Nazi. Then if you read any mainstream media news coverage of him, they're like, he's been, he platforms white supremacists. And a white supremacist today, by the way, the definition is like Ben Shapiro. Somehow a Jewish guy from California. That wears a yarmulke. That wears a yarmulke. He's a white supremacist. And he's a Nazi. Yeah. It's crazy. He actually, a Ben Shapiro thing just happened recently. This week, he had something published in Politico, which is a big political uh, website, and people lost their minds. They're like, how can you give a platform to this guy? Employees were losing their minds. 
because simply forgiving him a platform. And I love that they always go, he's a white supremacist. He says racist things and he lies. It's like, stop telling me that. Tell me what the lie is. And they never do. And what has he said that's racist? Nothing. Give well, me an example. You know what I mean? It's like, you're just saying that. And, and also, shouldn't there be some kind of pushback for... If you call a Jewish guy racist, I think you should. That's like, you need to prove it right now. You know what I mean? Well, it's very anti-Semitic too, dude. It's very like, if you're going to say that and not prove it, and, and your only proof is, oh, well, he's conservative. Mm, back the fuck up. And uh, another thing, oh, like this Dallas guy, the producer of the movie, him being branded a conservative, he's not making conservative movies. It's just the fact that he makes movies. It's just not being a fucking liberal now. That's the greatest crime right now. The greatest cultural crime is just not being liberal. Well, as a musician, so looking at the Ariel Pink thing and being active in Nashville and everything like that, as soon as I announced that I just wasn't a liberal, Mm -hmm. a lot of people fucking turned on me. Oh, yeah. We've all been there, bud. We've all been there. (laughs) Are the Russians hiring right now, dude? (laughs) We've all been there, man. I mean, it's 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 crazy. And again, it it's, it's groupthink. It's groupthink. And again, it's 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 born out of this tribalism that people rush to. And it's the same with, you know, every issue has to be black and white. It can't be that you and I can be conservative and Millhouse can be conservative and we can have three completely different opinions on a subject. It's like, no, you're conservative, so you have to be just like the U.S. Capitol rioters. Or you're liberal, and you have to be just like, which this doesn't really happen on the right, I have to say. Maybe with the extreme right, but the extreme left is really what's in control of the media and Hollywood and stuff. Of the entertainment industry at large. Oh, yeah, and that's why it's exciting. Um, People like Dallas Saunier and now Ben Shapiro. It's exciting they're getting involved and making legit art or supporting legit art. Well, I was surprised to hear that Ariel Pink was there. I thought he was there at first for a troll to troll people, but it, it's like, no. no. Yeah, he was yeah. actually there because he wanted to be there. And I would have never guessed that in a million years because he mm-hmm. is like Another definition. Very pitch, experimental artist. Pitchfork darling, dude. Pitchfork Media has yep. always get, given him great reviews. He's always done really weird stuff. And he's gone through a lot of changes in his career. Mm. But it's like the, it breaks people's brains when, when you're, you're an a, actual artist. When you're a pitchfork darling, mm-hmm. and then you're also like, yeah, I voted for well, Trump. That's why they get especially mad with people like Ariel Pink, and they're mad at this movie, because it's legit art. It's undeniable. Yeah. You know what I mean? It has meaning. Like they can, And dis- it's not about just being a Christian. It's not about being yep. conservative. And that's why... They can sort of dismiss, like when a, a, a Christian movie comes out. or Like Mel Gibson. Yeah, yeah. But again, Mel Gibson, why did he piss people off? And forget his comments because I, I don't want to hear about it. The guy's an alcoholic and he's had mental breaks, whatever. When he really pissed people off, it was the Passion of the Christ. But what pissed people off was that it was a movie about Jesus and it was amazing. I'm not a Jesus guy, but The Passion of the Christ is a good ass movie. It is an undeniable movie. And he he was like, We're gonna we're gonna need a lot of blood for this movie. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's gonna be violent. Yeah. Um, so that's what that's what pisses people off more than anything. You know, they can dismiss a lot of these because what's typically seen as like a right wing movie or conservative movie is like something Kirk Cameron makes. No hate for that. Whatever. That's your that's your It ain't our cup of tea. It ain't it ain't my cup of tea. You keep doing you, Kirk. You know what I mean? But 
it's easy to dismiss because they're like, this isn't art. It's like badly produced and blah, blah, blah. Which is all, tr- it's true. You know, <laughs> like I said, not my cup of tea <laughs> for a variety of reasons. But that's what makes them mad is when someone like Ariel Pink or someone like Dallas Saunier or S. Craig uh, Zoller. An artist. Or, yeah, like a true artist. It makes them mad because they get worried. They're scared because they're like, whoa, this doesn't fit our stereotype that we're pushing. You know what I mean? So, yeah, and I, I think that's why this I think that's why Ariel Pink. I mean, they're just throwing him right under the bus, dancing on the grave of his career. And that's why this movie is getting the response it is, because I mean, look at, you know, another example, Vincent Gallo. Oh, yeah. The ultimate did, example. Because people loved Vinnie Gallo for a minute. Like Buffalo sixty six, but were, he didn't like he didn't like, like it when they loved. Him. Wow, he's so experimental and he's very weird. And then he comes out and he's like, "Yeah, I'm kind of a Republican." And then people are like, "You suck. Everything you make sucks. You're horrible." Well, there's a great Vinnie Gallo interview where he goes on this European show and it's all film critics, oh. and he comes out in a USA outfit. Yes. It's like a USA tracksuit, and he's clearly <laughs> there to troll. It's an amazing video. I think if you just look up a, a Vincent Gallo interview, it'll be on the, the first page. It's like a roundtable thing, and they're discussing his movie. And again, post-Buffalo 66, he could have made a great career because he could have just kept his mouth shut, done the liberal thing, said what was, you know, he's like, oh, yeah, you know. Instead, he was just on fire. He shat on these critics. He's like, you're a feminist idiot. You are just a sad, lonely piece of shit. Like, I mean, he, he was going hard on them. But again, he he makes people mad because he he's an experimental, undeniable artist. And then he's also kind of conservative. It drives lives in Trump Tower, lives in Trump Tower. Now, at the last I heard, he lives in Trump Tower. Yeah. Um, but yeah, people like that, uh, it, it makes people mad. And that's why. Now the new target is, you know, Dallas Saunier, and it's definitely going to be Ben Shapiro because, again, you can't, the toxic, the most toxic thing you can be today is a conservative and an artist, you know? But anyway, yeah, I, I love this movie. I hope uh, there, was, there were some great performances, especially by people I had never seen before. Newcomers. And I, and I really hope that, uh, I hope there's no backlash against them, but I know there will be. Because that's the way it works. They're going to go for another job and they're going to be like, oh yeah, I was in this movie, Run, Hide, Fight. And they'll be like... On Daily Wire? The Ben Shapiro movie. You know what I mean? So, But maybe they'll keep making movies with Dallas Saunier and Ben Shapiro. Ben Shapiro. Who would have thought? Can now add movie producer to to the list of uh, list of things he is. It's, it's amazing. It's I'm excited. It was a surprise and gives me a little hope, man. Gives me hope, too. Maybe I stopped hearing the shithawks for for a couple hours. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Man of Science, Man of Faith. Yep. You can find us on all major streaming platforms. Yes, iTunes, We're on iTunes, Spotify, I think iHeartMedia. Subscribe us, like us. If you like this episode, uh, share it with a friend. Tell them about it. And also, do you got... We should offer... If there's any listener mail, if there's anyone who wants to talk about this, maybe we can start reading them on some episodes. Yeah, I, I haven't been saying that because <laughs> I would just feel bad if we didn't get a single one. <laughs> you know what? Let's just cast a line and see what's out there. Oh, yeah, message uh, The email is manascienspod at gmail.com. Yes. Manascienspod at gmail.com. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, send it. You got something to say? You got something to say to me? 
We love hate mail, by the way. Oh yeah, you want to hate if on you me? You listen to this podcast and you just hate us right now. Listen to me. I'm. I've worked for. I've worked in media for a while. I, I'm a pro with hate mail. Send it. I don't give. I'll fucking. I wipe my ass with it. Send it to me. Jerk off with it and then wipe your ass with it. Oh god. <laughs> I don't get off on it that much. It can piss me off a little bit. I don't get it as much now, but I, I used to get. I used to wake up like every morning to, to emails that were like, you suck Trump's orange dick. You, uh, you're going to hell. I just want to be like, oh, I just, I just want to rip through the fucking computer screen, find whatever basement they're hiding in and just choke them. Just watch the life come out of their eyes. This podcast is produced to you by Taylor Miller.